your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by Enzymedica with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Hello and welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, a conversation of hope for Tuesday, March 3rd. I'm Terry Aranga. My guests are Dr. John Cannell, Executive Director of the Vitamin D Council and Mayor Eisenstein, Medical Director of Home First Health Services. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us today. Thank you, Terry. Today we're going to be talking about the topic of vitamin D, particularly vitamin D and autism. So let's start off with what each of you thinks autism is. Let's start with Dr. Eisenstein. How about you? Um, you asked me a very, very good question, uh, Terry. Uh, um, since, you know, I've been in practice for 35 years, and mainly our practice has been delivering babies at home. I've got three partners uh, for more than 20 years, and... Um, uh, we never even saw a child who's on the autism spectrum. I read about it a lot, uh, uh, and we now have over 35,000 children uh, in our practice. Um, about the most unique thing about families is virtually none of them vaccinate their children. And, and it's when I met uh, Dan Olmsted about three years ago, and he came and wrote about our practice, that it became obvious how serious this problem is around the country. You know, and um, I don't think there's any one definition uh, of, of autism, but clearly it's a, a pattern of, uh, uh, and, and I'm far less, not only am I not an expert, I'm, I'm a novice on this, you know, uh, um, but it's, it's children who have multiple different symptoms, all of them which are, in a sense, neurological, uh, be it a speech delay, aggressive behavior, uh, a nonverbal uh, 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 dietary issues, uh, bowel issues, uh, um, um, and all things that just go along with neurological type behavior, you know, and, uh, um, and uh, you know, it, I, I've been to the Autism One conferences and talked to many, many of the families, you know, uh, and um, um, it, it's almost, in a sense, maybe the best answer is when you, you, you know it when you see it, you know, it's kind of like so many of the families to tell me that these children were virtually normal uh, before they received, be it a DPT vaccine, a flu vaccine, an MMR vaccine, and all of a sudden they regressed uh, shortly afterwards. Dr. Cannell? Um, well, in, in, my, uh, in my opinion, autism is a genetic disease with an environmental trigger. Uh, we looked long and hard for the environmental trigger, and uh, the... Uh, you know, in, in, in my opinion, the research is really fairly definitive that uh, although autism, I mean, although vaccinations uh, may play a role, that they are not the environmental trigger. Uh, in my opinion, the environmental trigger is gestational vitamin D deficiency. That is, uh, if you have the genes that, uh, um, uh, uh, that increase your risk of having autism, uh, if your mother is vitamin D deficient during that time, then uh, that gene will be expressed 
if your mother if your if mother is not vitamin D deficiency during pregnancy, or if the child is not vitamin D deficient during your early childhood, they they will not get autism. The reason uh, I think that parents uh, note this association between their 12 and 18 month old vaccinations and the onset of autism is because infant formula has uh, uh, adequate amounts of vitamin D for infants. Uh, but at the time of weaning, uh, many parents uh, wean their children onto juice. Uh, used to be cow's milk, but uh, cow's milk's got a bad name now, so they wean them onto juice. And if your child is weaned onto juice and has a typical American diet, he's getting no vitamin D, uh, unless he goes out in the sun. And parents, of course, know that their children shouldn't leave the house because there's child sex molesters out there, and there's uh, the sun is going to give them uh, uh, skin cancer and Plus the Nintendo is uh, is in there, so uh, uh, it's like it was like a perfect storm of three different things that caused uh, children's vitamin D levels to plummet. And then uh, the other thing is, if you look at autism, instance of autism, it, it correlates almost perfectly with sun avoidance, sunblock sales, etc. Um, so uh, uh, that's uh, that's my opinion. But what about you know, Terry? You know, let me say, I'm an absolute devotee of Dr. Cannell and. Uh, uh, his work uh, became obvious to us about a year ago, and we've really just, our whole practice, you know, is really uh, uh, taken up the whole idea of vitamin D deficiency. And I'm going to add some fuel to your fire, Dr. Cannell, and that is uh, I met with Dr. David Geyer, who's one of the leading researchers and clinicians in the autism field, and I asked him after I came out to San Diego uh, to, to meet with all the vitamin D experts uh, to, to start doing vitamin D level on the children that he's taking care of. And when I visited him in December, he had approximately 700 children that he had been taking care of, and there wasn't one vitamin D level that was above 25, and a 100 of the children had levels that were less than 7. They were not even able to be reported, you know. Yeah, that's uh, and so there's no doubt about it. And so yeah. we, we, we've treated the, and we started an autism program here in Chicago under Dr. Geyer's uh, auspices, and um, we found the same thing so far. Every child is massively yeah. vitamin D deficient. Now, now it's important you know, to note. Note that these children with autism who have these low levels, they need uh, to start at 5,000 units a day. Don't mess around with lower doses. Start with 5,000 units a day. Check their 25 OHD level in a month, and you'll find out that they probably even need more. Exactly. And we've been, we've been doing that. Hey, i got to read you something. You'll enjoy this. Uh, dear Dr. Eisenstein, I'm email, emailing you as follow-up to a conversation we had. My son is 12 years old. He has a diagnosis of autism. First, I started him on 5,000 IU vitamin D, as you suggested. Then he had the blood test that you recommended, which determines he had good levels. And the blood test was done about a month later. The first effect I could see was his morning mood. Usually, we would have to walk on eggshells around him, try not to talk to him, or he would become agitated. He could not manage the morning. Now he comes down to breakfast with a smile saying, good morning, Mama. It's wonderful. This is the first time winter hasn't been cold at all. I'm going to jump to the end. That's funny, I don't think, and now she's taking vitamin D2000, and I told her she's got to take one more. And winter could go on forever for all I care, and neither of us have had even a sniffle. Yeah, yeah it's important to, to understand that the vitamin D will have a treatment effect on the symptoms of autism in many patients. A treatment effect is different from a cure. Right. Unfortunately, uh, when this brain damage occurs, it's, it is progressive. And, and I think, although hoping for a cure is, is something that's not out of the realm of possibility in some patients, in some autistic patients, 
what you're looking for is, is to aggressively dose them, get their 25 OHD levels in the high range of normal, which is, uh, you know, if it was my child, he'd be 100 easily. And then you have to just wait. And what's your first thing you're trying to do is to stop the ongoing inflammatory damage and then have the brain heal. But you remember these children, for as long as they've had autism, they've had, you know, their brain has sort of been not fully engaged. And so they're going to have to make up some things. The total effect, what the effect of the treatment effect of vitamin D and autism is simply not known. But, but it's crucial that while we're getting these studies, and those studies are going to take years and years, while we're getting the studies, there's no reason not to treat vitamin D deficiency in autism. You have to do a risk-benefit analysis. What's the risk? The risk is that the child's brain will continue to deteriorate. What, what's the risk of vitamin D? Zero, because you're following the levels and you're just getting the child up to the high normal range where he would get if he was living 30 years ago and was spending his summer on the beach. Very important to understand this is not a drug. This is not an experimental treatment. This is simply vitamin D. You're giving what he would not get from the sun. What's the difference between the type of vitamin D that you get from the sun and the type of vitamin D that you get from supplementation? Nothing. They're the same as long as you take vitamin D3 cholecalciferol. Occasionally, there's, there's five different vitamin Ds, and... Um, vitamin D2 is the, is ergocalciferol. It's the, um, it's, it's interesting enough, Dr. Cannell, your work has had tremendous impact. Most of the mill companies have changed from D2 to D3, which, uh, which has only happened over the last year or two. And D2 is a precursor to vitamin D3 and doesn't have as much absorption as the vitamin D3. Dr. Eisenstein, I want to, uh, Eisenstein, excuse me, I want to get back to something that you were talking about earlier. You were mentioning the work of the Geyers, Dr. Mark and David Geyer. And while they may be looking at vitamin D levels now, I know that they feel strongly that Samarasol was a major um, causative factor in the autism epidemic, and it's a true epidemic. And also they look at the role of testosterone. How does this all fit together? Well, you know, uh, um, I'm not sure how it fits together with the vitamin D. That's kind of the little thing I've added to it. But what they have found that about 70% of children with autism have exceptionally high testosterone levels, you know, um, and, and they found that um, mercury is one of the major causes. It, it's, it's, it blocks a pathway that allows the body to cause glutathione to be produced, and so you got this vicious cycle of the, the low glutathione, high testosterone, and many of the symptoms of uh, autism, the early, the precocious uh, puberty-type development, uh, the, um, uh, the extreme aggressive behavior, the, uh, uh, the early onset of menstruation. Uh, there's uh, a little girl sometimes as early as five and six years old will start menstruating. Boys will start developing pubic hair at five or six years of age. You know, uh, and, and he's worked on treatments that will lower testosterone and, and, and it seems about 70% of the children fall uh, into this category. And, and you know, um, and I just want to make one, one thought about Dr. Cannell because um, I, I, I don't think it's genetic. And, you know, I'm not a geneticist, and I, uh, uh, I'm just an old-time general practitioner who delivered babies for a long time. The problem with the genetic basis is we've seen such a tenfold increase 
in uh, uh, autism. When I started in practice in 1973, the rate of autism was about one in a hundred. Well, I'm sorry, one in ten thousand. You know, it was so rare that it was just rarely talked about. Now it's running about one in a hundred, one hundred and fifty. And and you and California just had a fascinating study when they looked at that. It couldn't be just attributed to better diagnosis. If you've been around these children, if you've seen them, you realize no one's going to miss the diagnosis. Uh, um, uh, uh, it's not going to be missed. And, and genetic diseases don't don't carry with them such a rapid increase. There clearly has to be some genetic component. There's no question about that. But it's not enough to really uh, explain too much. Okay, and we're going to break, and we'll pick up with this when we come back to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. Inside all of us lives a warrior. We win battles with our careers, our finances, our children, our pets. It's time that the warrior within wins the battles with our own being. Modern-day Renaissance man Ori Hoffmeckler dispels eating urban legends and fitness myths in Voice America Network's The Warrior Within, your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Ori sets the record straight and will help you become leaner and healthier for a lifetime. The Warrior Within broadcasts live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in for your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. If you've tried everything on the market and can't seem to get the radiant results you want from your skincare routine, it's time you stop shopping and start listening. Skin Health Today will help you take charge and start making smart choices for a lifetime of radiant skin and positive self-image. Join host Celeste Hilling and her esteemed panel of experts every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for Skin Health Today on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Dr. Meyer Eisenstein and Dr. John Cannell, and we're talking about vitamin D and autism before the break. Dr. Eisenstein was 
speaking, and we're going to pick up with Dr. Canal. And I'd like you to address uh, a few different things uh, that have been mentioned previously. First, the genetic um, aspect that you were talking about earlier, it, it actually sounded to me as if you were talking about some sort of an epigenetic event. And then I'd also like you to address um, the interaction of vitamin D with testosterone or estrogen and the interaction of vitamin D with glutathione, things right. that Dr. Uh, Eisenstein was alluding to. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the genetics just gives you a, 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 a predilection, a possibility of expressing the phenotype. Uh, there's no doubt that uh, autism has risen dramatically, and, and thus many people argue that there can't be a genetic disease. But genetic diseases depends upon what are called the epigenetics, what what, the, what, it, what works upon or lays upon the genome. And, and that's one of the main functions, of course, of vitamin D is it, it switches 2,000 genes on or off depending upon what your body needs. So that explains the genetics and it explains the epidemiology of this dramatic increase. Um, uh, uh, the, the the testosterone uh, uh, and the estrogen uh, co uh, connection to vitamin D is very very important, and it explains why there's four times as many males with vitamin D uh, with uh, autism as females. That is, uh, testosterone re basically reduces uh, uh, the active form of vitamin D in the tissues, so so boys are more likely to have. Uh, functional vitamin D deficiency because of the testosterone. Estrogen just does just the opposite; it raises it. So, so uh, the the the, uh, the the testosterone and estrogen observations are, are explained by the vitamin D. So, so thirdly, um, one of the one of the most important functions of vitamin D is how strongly it upregulates glutathione. Uh, glutathione is a master antioxidant that also chelates heavy metals. Uh, if these children are exposed to heavy metals uh, when they're vitamin D deficient, they, 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 their body just cannot get rid of them. It just cannot excrete them. And so um, uh, when the child gets vitamin D uh, sufficient, uh, they'll be able to easily excrete uh, the heavy metal loads that normal people can can uh, can easily excrete. Well, Dr. Canal, let me follow up on some of the things that you're saying. Now, Dr. Geyer, I I'm wondering, is there a way that we can bring all of this together in some sort of... I think of we have, Gary. I think Dr. Canal explained it all in one package. Dr. Dr. Geyer believes that testosterone, the combination of testosterone and mercury together, well, that kills cells. Uh, I hate to use the word effectively because that seems like a positive word, but that kills cells um, much more strongly if you put mercury and testosterone together while estrogen has a protective effect. And also mercury goes in and really throws um, a monkey wrench uh, into your glutathione, and then you don't have glutathione left to, to fight other things. Um, so how do we bring all of this together with uh, the mercury right. uh, and the testosterone and, and there being four times as many right. boys as girls affected, they have testosterone, the girls have estrogen. Um, how do we bring this all together with what you're saying about the vitamin D? Well, as I tried to explain, if you have mercury and testosterone, you've got trouble because the, uh, the, the uh, hormone that's supposed to upregulate uh, glutathione and get rid of the mercury is being suppressed by the testosterone. That's the reason that you have four times as many uh, boys as girls. So you're right. Testosterone and mercury and low vitamin D levels, as, as, as Dr. Eisenstein explained earlier with these children, is, uh, is a, 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 a terrible sentence for the young growing brain. It's going to, uh, to be highly inflamed from both the mercury and from other toxins 
that normal people easily chelate and excrete. So the key is not lowering the testosterone or even lowering the mercury, although that would be a good idea. The key is getting the steroid hormone that upregulates glutathione so the body can naturally get rid of the heavy metal loads. And that's the vitamin D? That's the vitamin D, if you give it in sufficient quantities. Some some mothers are, are, are giving their children just one or 2,000 units of vitamin D. That's just totally insufficient. Autistic children need between five and 10,000 units of vitamin D. Some will even need 15. You want to get 15,000. You want to get their levels up to high normal. Normal is between 30 and 100. You don't want these children at 30 and 40. You want these children up to 100 nanograms per milliliter. And you need to find a doctor that will test for the right uh, substance. Many doctors, they won't test, for one thing, for vitamin D. And when they do test, they order the wrong test, a 125, a dihydroxy vitamin D, which is elevated in vitamin D deficiency. And, and if you do have a doctor who tests and he does order the right test, many of them don't know how to interpret it. Uh, I don't know if I can say something now about our website, but, but we have partnered with a, a, a company that will will do in-home vitamin D tests. They're really neat and they're less expensive than a than a um, uh, going to the doctor. You just just order the test, go on our website, Vitamin D Council. You'll find it under MI Vitamin D Deficient page. And then for $65, you order this kit. They send it to you in the mail. You get somebody who's a nurse or something to do a heel stick on the child. You get a little bit of blood. You put it on the blotter paper. You send it back. And in a week, you have the right test with the right interpretation. It's really helpful for for people who don't have insurance and have to pay for this or who don't want to mess with doctors who don't know what they're doing. Obviously, the, the doctors we're talking about know exactly what they're doing, so it doesn't, it doesn't uh, apply there. And I just need to uh, let our listeners know that for any significant biomedical intervention, either starting it or changing a current regimen, uh, please do check with your child's uh, physician who provide, who's experienced in the root causes and treatments for the for autism and um, who provides regular medical oversight for your child. So I want to ask follow up on one other thing that you said earlier, Dr. Cannell, and that is you mentioned when children are weaned from formula that contains vitamin D onto juice. What about the moms out there who are listening who breastfed their children for a really long time and their kids didn't have formula and, and weren't weaned to juice? Yeah, and the um, the uh, the problem with breast milk is that breast milk is, uh, has almost no vitamin D in it um, for a good reason, and that's that virtually all mothers are vitamin D deficient. Professor Bruce Hollis and Wagner down at the Medical University of South Carolina has done, have done some amazing research that shows uh, that, um, that breast milk is a rich source of vitamin D, as long as the mothers are not vitamin D deficient. So when you get the mothers up to the mid-range of normal, 50 or 60 nanograms per milliliter, lo and behold, their breast milk becomes rich sources of vitamin D. But, you know, 99% of the breast milk in this country has almost no vitamin D in it because 99% of the, of the lactating women are vitamin D deficient. Dr. Eisenstein, did you want to follow up on anything that Dr. Cannell Oh, yeah, let me tell you something. I agree on everything he says, and it was based on the conferences that I went to in San Diego where I met Dr. Cannell uh, and met uh, Dr. Bruce Hollis that we, first of all, routinely do vitamin 25-hydroxy-D testing on all pregnant women. We do it actually on every single patient now. But also we recommend uh, 
a minimum of 10,000 units of vitamin D3 for all pregnant women, and, and also based on their lab results, you know, to see if we have to adjust and up or down a little bit, and for all nursing uh, uh, mothers, you know. And, and Dr. Brown, I wanted to know, we now have gotten most of the pregnant women and nursing mothers up to the 60 to 80 range, you know. Oh, that's that's and, so uh, good. You, you, you have no, I, hope you have, I hope you have some idea what good you're doing. I mean, there's going to be hundreds of families who, who are not going to suffer the ravages or the consequences of maternal vitamin D deficiency, and it's more than autism. It's insulin-dependent diabetes. It's multiple sclerosis. It's uh, asthma. I mean, they're not going to know. They're, they're, never, they're never going to know that right. they didn't get it because of you. Well, let me tell you, Dr. Yanel, i, I got to tell you, incredible, you know, I was reading a paper that was done by the one of the dental societies in Canada, and they looked at vitamin D, the 25-hydroxy D levels of mothers at birth. These were nursing mothers. Then they looked at cavities at 18 months in yeah. the children. 90% of the cavities in children right. were approximately 10% of the women with the lowest vitamin D yeah, cavities levels. Are, if people say, what, what are the symptoms of vitamin D deficiency in childhood? And one of the most common symptoms of vitamin D deficiency in childhood is cavities. If your child has cavities, he's been vitamin D deficient at some time, period. I, now, let me tell you something interesting also. So I told my wife, who's the brains in our, our family, uh, we have six children, uh, and uh, she's way smarter. I was married before I went to medical school. She understood the books better than I did. And uh, uh, she says, oh, my God, Mayor, that is absolutely right. And we have uh, six children. We have nine grandchildren. Every one of our children has really excellent teeth. And interesting, my wife always in the summer, uh, my parents had a home in Michigan where they would be out all summer long on the beach, literally for for three, four, five months a year. There you go. And that, that was and, enough and, vitamin D for them to store it up in the winter. And let me tell you, Dr. Cannell, my wife would nurse the babies on the beach. Yeah. You know, uh, um, and oh. the babies were always kept like, I remember Dr. Hollis said that you think that the, the cave mothers would take their babies out to be eaten by the saber-toothed tigers. Right. They were sitting in the caves. You yeah. know, they were out foraging for food. But let me tell you, one of my grandchildren has... Um, uh, severe cavities, horrible cavities. They have to have some teeth extracted. She's eight years old. She's fine now. Mm-hmm. And um, and Karen says to me, my wife, oh, my God, uh, when Ariel was two months old, my son had a very, very bad medical problem. And he was hospitalized for a long time. And he, was, he, he said his wife didn't leave his bedside for a year. That was the only child that that, that his wife wasn't outdoors all summer long, and that's why Ariel has all these cavities. So I called my daughter-in-law, and she's screaming at me. She says, Dad, why didn't you know that five years ago? <laughs> you know, but you, you're so right, Dr. Kinnell. You, you've had a life-impacting change on our practice, which is a very healthy practice to start with, but I have hundreds of case histories now of families uh, that have had a single sniffle, just like this one, you know, and I, I now have maybe almost a hundred children with autism that were starting to work up, and the first thing I do is put them on 5,000 and get a blood test. I mean, it's, sure. you, 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 and and uh, already I've talked to at least 10 or 15 families who said, I can't tell what effect, but I can tell you this is the first time that my child was not sick at all during the winter. Right. Wow. Okay. So we'll pick up with this when we come back to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel with Dr. Meyer Eisenstein and Dr. John Cannell. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back. Opinions. Options. 
answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. Tune in on Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Healing the Grieving Heart, the program that takes you on a journey through grief after the death of a child. Join Dr. Gloria Horsley, marriage and family therapist and bereaved parent, while she interviews and discusses with other bereaved parents and siblings how they have coped with the death of a child and gone on to create and realize new dreams. So tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Healing the Grieving Heart with Dr. Gloria Horsley, right here on Voice America Health and Wellness. Holistic living is nutrition for not just your body, but your mind and your soul. Holistic nutrition goes far beyond the foods that we eat or the supplements that we take. Discover natural means to heal your body and regain your innate healing powers. That's Holistic Living with Tina Marie Jones on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Tune in for your weekly dose of good holistic living. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Dr. John Cannell and Dr. Meyer Eisenstein, and we're talking about vitamin D and autism. Dr. Eisenstein was talking before the break about um, getting vitamin D in the winter and such, and I'm going to address this to Dr. Cannell. Um, tell us about what you see with seasonal uh, seasonal symptoms and uh, vitamin D levels, and also I'd like to know about the role of vitamin D levels in epilepsy, and does that have any sort of seasonal correlation as well? Um, yeah, let's see. Uh, there, there is a seasonal correlation to epilepsy. There, people with epilepsy have more seizures in the winter than the summer, and there, there are uh, uh, actually two human studies that show that uh, vitamin D will reduce uh, reduce uh, epileptic seizures. And as you know, about, what, 20% or 30% of children with autism have periodic uh, seizures. So uh, if you treat your, if you have an autistic child and you give them adequate doses of vitamin D, the seizures will reduce. Again, I didn't say stop. I said reduce. There's a difference between a cure and a treatment effect. A tr- treatment effect means there's an improvement in symptoms. Uh, whether or not any of these children can be cured with vitamin D uh, is um, uh, less clear to me that then there will be a treatment effect. Uh, seasonal affective disorder has two uh, causes. Uh, one is the absence of bright light as occurs uh, in the wintertime. The other is uh, absence of vitamin D 
it's my opinion that not all seasonal affective disorder can be adequately treated with vitamin D. Some some people are are responding to the uh, to the lack of uh, light. Uh, how much of seasonal affective disorder is vitamin D deficiency, and how much is the absence of bright light uh, remains to be seen. But everybody with seasonal affective disorder should take 5,000 units of vitamin D a day. Everybody who doesn't have seasonal affective disorder should take 5,000 units of vitamin D a day. Mm, okay. Now, you let me tell you, that, that was the best piece of information I heard. <laughs> I'm going to tell my wife I'm missing the light. That's, that's the reason I, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I, I, um, I, I wanted to know, Terry, that what Dr. Connell has been writing about, uh, about the, about all the aspects of vitamin D are so incredible. I mean, it just, you know, uh, uh, as I said earlier, um, we have a huge practice. You know, we have three offices. I've got three partners and three part-time doctors who work with us. We're a large family practice. And I tracked, I looked at November, December, and, uh, uh, and January, um, and I looked at the visits over the last five years for respiratory illnesses, and the visits this last year were approximately down 100 visits per month, even though our overall practice has grown. And there's nothing else I can attribute to because I've talked, I've called lots of the people, you know, and I know, uh, 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 you know, it's one of these correlations that you, you don't really know 100%, but boy, there's nothing else that's changed our practice in 35 years than the last year. Uh, really being insistent that every adult be on 5,000 and children about 2,000. Those are healthy adults and healthy children. When I came back to San Diego last, I think it was April, I ran a test on 100 uh, adults under 40. They, they have to have no chronic conditions, no high blood pressure, no high cholesterol, no arthritis, nothing to see what the levels were. The average level was 23. I was the average level. It's so important to understand the dosing. When you talk about about 2,000 for children, 5,000 for adults, those are healthy children, healthy adults. Whenever you look at what might be a vitamin D deficiency disease, whether it be autism or asthma or uh, uh, type 2 diabetes or, or heart disease, et cetera, and the list is a huge list, then you have to gauge the severity of the illness, uh, the risk of further uh, worsening, the risk of death versus the dose of vitamin D. So my father-in-law takes 10,000 units of vitamin D a day, sometimes 15,000 because he has severe heart disease. Uh, so so the, you need more aggressive dosing if the disease the person has is likely to cause significant morbidity and mortality. And that's why you need to get levels so you can push those people up to the high ranges of normal. Are there any sort of uh, cofactors? Do you need to take anything else with vitamin D in, also, in, in order to have it be absorbed? Spinach. Spinach. Yes. Uh, it turns out that uh, vitamin D needs uh, uh, at least four factors to work properly. Uh, one is zinc. The uh, fingers of the vitamin D receptor are zinc molecules, and without enough zinc, the, VDR will be, the vitamin D receptor will be deformed. Boron is involved in the rapid action of vitamin D on the cell wall. Uh, magnesium is crucial for vitamin D's uh, uh, metabolism, and vitamin K is crucial to make sure that the calcium goes into the bone and nowhere else. And spinach has all of these, and all dark green leafy vegetables have, have all these. So, so that's why uh, spinach is very important. If, if you don't get, uh, you know, if you, you won't or can't eat uh, those dark green leafy vegetables, then you need those supplements. Again, uh, boron, magnesium, uh, zinc, and um, 
Vitamin K. And vitamin K. Where do you get vitamin K? Uh, you can get it on the Internet. Or a health food store. Now, um, I seem to remember something from the past about spinach and calcium and oxalates. Is there any concern here? Well, you know, when I go on the Danny list and hear all the things, these diets that these children are put on, it, it, it makes me a little bit uncomfortable because they can't eat spinach because of the oxalates. Well, and the way they know that is because they've tested urines and urine oxalate is high. Uh, that, 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 you know, that's not from the spinach. Spin, you, you need to go back to a Paleolithic diet and see what humans ate when they, when the genome was evolving, and those are the foods you want to eat now. And dark green leafy vegetables were a staple of Paleolithic man. Uh, these foods are high in the, the nutrients that the body needs, uh, and uh, I would never deprive an autistic child of, of, uh, of green leafy vegetables, although I, I agree there's some trouble in getting them to eat it, although you know, there's some spinach recipes out there now that are that are really quite good. If they won't eat that, then then uh, then the, the autistic child needs to get a source of zinc, magnesium, uh, boron, and vitamin K as a supplement. But I mean, like mixing dairy and spinach. Yeah, berries and spinach. That sounds neat. No, no. Uh, any chance of anything like not only in a child but in an add-on, any chance of uh, kidney stones or yeah. any problems no, with oxalates? No. The kidney stones are actually caused not by uh, calcium or, or uh, oxalates. They're caused by the lack of uh, magnesium and the lack of vitamin uh, and the lack of uh, potassium in the diet. Okay. Dr. Eisenstein? Yeah, I, I not only agree with Dr. Cannell, but I think that's really an outstanding setup. Uh, I add one more thing. I've been doing a lot of work with uh, probiotics for the last five years, and we've added probiotics to a lot of different preparations, including multivitamins, uh, um, uh, uh, red yeast rice, you know, um, um, different uh, natural uh, anti-inflammatories, and we've added it to vitamin D. And I have quite a bit of testimonial. I don't have enough yet scientific evidence that it's really enhanced the absorption. Because many of the children on the spectrum uh, have difficulty absorbing anything uh, because of their di- their their gut issues, you know. Uh, and um, uh, and adding the probiotics to the vitamin D and together putting them in the same capsule uh, seems to make a a difference. I'll, I'll have some more data on that within the next six months or so. Well. I have a question about Dr. Cannell's paper titled Autism and Vitamin D in Medical Hypothesis. And Dr. Cannell, I'm going to start a little bit maybe of a debate here between you and Dr. Eisenstein. Your paper cited that the Amish have less autism, but they're outside in the sun more than kids indoors watching television. That's a loose paraphrase. Um, Dr. Eisenstein, is that your take on why the Amish have fewer cases of autism? And Dr. Cannell, did I quote you correctly? Um, you, you, yeah, you paraphrased me correctly. Uh-huh. <laughs> but before we yeah, start, it's important to understand the difference between a fact and a theory. Uh-huh. The fact is the Amish have less, less autism. That's the fact. Okay. Now we're going to talk about the theory of why, and you can make up whatever theory you want. But separate the fact from the theory. That's crucial. And that, that, you know, that's, uh, um, that's exactly right because, you know, uh, um, it, it, too much of Western medicine is input measurements rather than output measurements. You know, if, if we look at output measurements, a lot of the things we do, we would never do, you know. Um, 
in my field uh, of obstetrics, uh, we wouldn't be doing routine ultrasounds. We wouldn't be doing routine fetal monitoring. We wouldn't be doing routine cesarean section. Because you look at out- output measurements, they're worse. They're absolutely worse though, when we've done these type of uh, interventions, you know. And, and there's no question about it that uh, um, it's a fact that, um, that if you take a population and you increase their vitamin D level by giving the adults 5,000 a day to help you, you're going to have less uh, um, cancer, like Dr. Ganell said, less, less MS, less fractures. And you're right. Why? Well, uh, you know, <laughs> most probably because of the vitamin D, you know. Uh, uh, but, but, you know, but that's right. That's theory, you know. Uh, but you know that for a fact. Yeah. Well, let's talk a bit more about the nitty-gritties of the immune system. So, Dr. Cannell, what is the role of calcitriol upon things like inflammatory cytokines? We know that cytokines are talked about a lot with kids with autism. How are immune irregularities between autism and vitamin D deficiency similar? Yeah, uh, calcitriol is activated vitamin D. It's important to understand how this works. When you take vitamin D, you're taking a pre-hormone. It's not a hormone. The body then uses that uh, pre-hormone, uh, it converts it to 25-OHD, which is what you measure in the blood. And then that, that substrate, the 25-OHD, goes around to all the cells in the body, and the cells then take as much substrate as they need to make this calcitriol or activated vitamin D or 125-dihydroxy vitamin D. That's a steroid hormone, which means that it turns genes on and off. Mm. That's so crucial to understand it turns your genes on and off. If, you, if your body needs one gene turned on, it turns it on. If it needs another one turned off, that's, it's the messenger. And get this, there are 2,000 human genes, one-tenth of the human genome, that are direct targets of vitamin D. That means vitamin D has 2,000 different mechanisms of action. One of its mechanisms of action is in the innate immune, innate immune system, where it allows... Uh, the antimicrobial peptides to be dramatically upregulated. These are naturally occurring antibiotics. But it also has a dampening effect on, on inflammation uh, through a number of different um, mediators. It, it reduces inflammation. And, and it, it's, it's important to understand that, you, that if you don't have the substrate, your cells are starved for the steroid hormone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Dr. Eisenstein? You know, I, I want to go back to a point that you made a little bit earlier about uh, going to your doctor if you have a child who's been treated with any biomedical treatment. Okay, um, let's make that point right after we come back from break. Okay, Sorry I'm about happy that. to. Okay, Thank we'll you. be right back at Voice America. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. 
Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virostop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymedica.com. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. Well, Dr. Eisenstein was making a point right before the break, and he's going to pick up with it. Well, one of the problems, Terry, is that uh, all of us in medical school, at least, um, uh, I say all of us, we're taught that vitamin D is a uh, fat-soluble vitamin and that toxic levels are 1,000 or 2,000. And this was something we were all taught wrong. And unfortunately, many of the doctors retained that information and they, they learned the mnemonic that, you know, uh, vitamin A, D, and K are the that's soluble and you can t- can't take it too much of them. And, and this, is, this is a real problem because I've spoken to many, many doctors and when I tell them uh, 5,000 for healthy people, 10,000, this is all, this is all you know, before you really get the blood levels, 10,000 for someone with a chronic condition and maybe even more, and 50,000 for a cold or a flu, they almost they hit the wall. And they say, you have to be kidding, that's, that's ridiculous, you know. Uh, and so I think we need to do a lot of education to the doctors, not only in the autism community, but in the general medical community. I mean, uh, it's taken me a year to convince my partners, who I've worked with for 20 years, who are the most holistic doctors in the world. Now they're all devotees of that. Uh, and i got to share a little story with uh, uh, Dr. Geyer came and visited with us this, week, this last week. And um, he's, I, when I went and visited him in December, I brought him some 5,000 vitamin D and 50,000 vitamin D and I explained to him, you take the 50,000 only for a cold and the flu. And we're sitting there, he's at his dining room table for a couple of months, and, and they're very big tennis players, and his wife had a big match with him. And she said, I can't play. I, I'm, I'm sick, and the match was that afternoon. And she said, she said, I cracked over Mayor's 50,000. He said, I didn't think it would do anything. And I gave her 50,000. He says, by the evening time, she was perfectly fine. And he said, when she gets sick like that, she gets sick for a week or two weeks, you know. And uh, he, be- so now he's a devotee. <laughs> so, but I think it's important that we need to educate our doctors and, you know, and, uh, uh um, Dr. Connell's website, vitamindcouncil.org, is the absolute right place to start to uh, be able to get educated. Uh, Dr. Connell, you put together so much incredible uh, um, uh, papers and studies. You know, it is, it is the start for any physician and, and layperson who wants to get better educated on vitamin D. Well, thank you. Uh, 
We've been at this now uh, for eight years, believe it or not, is when I started the Vitamin D Council. We're, we're a nonprofit uh, tax-exempt organization. However, we remain uh, operating on a shoestring. We've got no grants. Uh, and uh, if anybody knows, a uh, big shot at a, at a, uh, a you know, founding, uh, you know, somebody that, that funds a, a nonprofit, a, a, a charity or something, please send them our way. Um, uh, we can do so much. We're, we're starting an advertising campaign uh, for pregnant women. Uh, we're going to do uh, television commercials in the in the Washington D.C. area, as well as ads and obstetrics journals. And uh, uh, we, we we can do so much. We could do so much if we just had uh, adequate funding. Hey, um, uh, and, uh please share any closing remarks you would like to. Well, I, first of all, Terry, I, I want to commend you and your husband, Ed, for the incredible work you're doing. And, and there's an upcoming conference in Chicago, the Autism One Conference. Uh, and I really believe that everyone should come there, especially that I heard now. Is it true that Jenny McCarthy is going to be there again? Yes, that's true. And let me tell you something. She alone is worth the the uh she is one of the most compassionate kind lovely and brilliant uh people around you know and i will i will be there and i'll be speaking on vaccines but i'll also obviously talk vitamin d vitamin d and more vitamin d dr canal um yes uh, you know it, it's just uh, uh i thank god every day that i was uh, somehow able to get involved in this because uh, I want, you know, people ask, uh, what do you want on your gravestone? Have you ever done that uh, exercise from Esalen Institute? You know, on my gravestone, uh, you know, I don't want that I had a big house or a fancy car. Uh, I want on my gravestone that um, that I helped uh, point people in the way, uh, uh, the direction of, of what is the, the etiology of autism and what is the first effective treatment. Everybody should stop and think, uh, what do you want on your gravestone? And, and uh, uh, so many people are, are involved in the pursuit of vanity. Uh, and uh, there's more to life than that. And there's more. Uh, and uh, uh, we weren't put on this earth to pursue vanity. Oh, definitely. Lovely thoughts. Well, um, gentlemen, we still do have some time remaining. So I want to go back over uh, a few other points um, in your paper, Dr. Canal. You mentioned something really interesting about um, drugs upregulating up or downregulating vitamin D, and you, in specific, you mentioned um, valproic acid, yes. and you said that it can be used for seizures, um, but if it downregulates vitamin D, couldn't that increase seizures? From what you said earlier. Um, yes, that's right. I mean, uh, that's a good point. The vitamin D, like a number of anti-epileptic medications, lowers 25-hydroxyvitamin D levels. So if you have a child who's on uh, Depakote to prevent seizures, uh, you need to uh, give them even more vitamin D. Uh, there's a paper in Neurology, uh, a letter to the editor that uh, explains that this month, um, that, uh, that uh, for example, they found that the mothers who take Depakote during pregnancy are more likely to give birth to a child with autism, and the, and the reason for that, of course, is that the Depakote lowers the mother's vitamin D levels, thus exposing the genetically susceptible child to the environmental trigger that causes autism. And can't valproic acid also downregulate mitochondrial function? Yes, I mean val valproic acid is a dirty drug, but then a woman who's having a, a grand mal seizures uh, during pregnancy is also difficult, so it's a it's a it's a hard conundrum for practitioners. Yes, it certainly sounds like it. Um, also, just in case I made a mistake in the way I expressed something, so we don't confuse listeners. Did I when I asked you about that about um, drugs like 
down-regulating vitamin D? I, I think what I meant was interfering with vitamin D metabolism. Yes, exactly. Okay. All right, and Dr. Uh, Dr. Eisenstein, any views on this? Um, no, I think this is a real problem, you know, and the, the problem comes that uh, we're exposed to so many uh, unnecessary pharmaceuticals. And what Dr. Cannell said was right, you know, a person with grand mal seizures, that's the rare exceptional per- uh, a case. We have also all these the class of psychiatric drugs, which are handed out like candy and water, and all those have have an effect, you know, on our system. And it's just, you know, just frightening. I mean, I think we have to really look to lower our use of pharmaceuticals, you know, not just randomly lower them, but to only use them when necessary. And unfortunately, the majority of pharmaceuticals that are dispensed today, most probably we could find some wonderful, safe alternatives. And let me let me just say that if you know anyone who's putting on an autism conference or people involved in planning autism conferences, I would love to come and speak and talk about vitamin D and autism. Well, I think that's a great topic to include. Certainly sounds very important. Um, are there any demographics on this, by the way, that that show that um, these symptoms are more prevalent in countries that um, where the people receive less sun or well, there's a proxy for that, and that uh, Dr. Bill Grant has, uh, has submitted a paper showing that uh, that uh, vitamin D is, uh, I mean, uh, that uh, autism is, uh, follows uh, latitudinal um, uh, associations. That is, uh, the closer you live to the equator, the less likely to have a child with autism. The further you live from the equator, the more likely to have an, a child with autism. There's also a couple studies that show, as many parents uh, uh, has, have observed, is that some children get better in the summertime and worse in the wintertime. And uh, if you look at those parents, those are the parents that let their child, children outside. If you don't let your child outside, you won't see any seasonal variation in the symptoms of autism. But, okay, how do we reconcile this? Because latitude closer to the equator, uh, people's skin isn't as light as they are in more northern places. Yeah, but the closer you are to the equator, the much more intense UVB light is. In fact, all of the studies that first sent us in the direction that cancer and multiple sclerosis and diabetes might be related to autism were were latitudinal ecological studies showing that these diseases are much less common around the equator. In fact, it was Dennis Burkett, the famous uh, doctor and researcher who, 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 uh, working in Uganda, which is right on the equator, was the one who said, gee, there's no diseases of civilization here in these people. They do die of, of gastrointestinal infectious disease, but they don't have heart disease and cancer. He thought it was fiber in the diet, but in fact what he didn't do is look at the patients he was dealing with and realize they didn't have any clothes on and they were in the equatorial sun where the sun is high up overhead every day of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, one other little thing to add to that, uh, there's enough evidence now that the Garden of Eden was most probably located right at the equator. There you go. Okay, so I guess we'll all be moving soon. In fact, <laughs> I think we'll have the conference there. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> well, I want to thank you gentlemen for this interesting information about vitamin D and autism. Uh, as Dr. Eisenstein mentioned, he will be presenting at the Autism One 2009 conference on Sunday, May 24, 2009. And Dr. John Canal soon will begin hosting a program on Autism One Radio. Please visit www.autismone.org and please also visit the Autism File magazine website at www.autismfile.com. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. For questions about this program, please email me at tiaranga at autismone.org. Next week, Tuesday, March 10th, Chantal Cecile Kira will guest host 
with the Miracle Project, Elaine Hall and Diane Isaac. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in to Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. America would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit AutismOne.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga.